This is Felix Dregsdale through the Marvel Universe, where Felix... That's me. Dregs me, Dale, through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Today we are talking about Iron Man, a movie where a billionaire genius a-hole makes a flying strength suit while kidnapped in a cave. Iron Man originally came out in 2008. This is the first film of the phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you want to try that again? (laughs) No. Okay. So, Felix, tell me what phase one is. (laughs) So, phase one is the first section. Basically, the phases are broken up by Avengers movies, except for the current phase. We're in phase three. I believe Ant-Man versus the Wasp also counts as phase three, even though it's coming out after Infinity War. Don't ask me. Ask Kevin Feige. Anyway. (laughs) I don't know who that is. I'm not going to ask him, and it sounds like bullshit to me. You should ask him. Um... (laughs) I'd love to know the answer that you give. <laughs> They're like, what are these faces? They sound like bullshit. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> so a phase one consists of Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, and then the first Avengers film. <laughs> Have we seen this movie before? Yes. Okay. Have you seen this movie before? Before we watched it for this podcast? Yes, I saw this, I want to say, in the theaters when it came out in 2008. What about you? How many times have you seen this movie before? I think I've seen this one two or three times. Yeah. So does that mean you liked it? I did. Okay. Because I want to say that you also saw Batman versus (laughs) Superman like three times and I think that is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It's your favorite movie. (laughs) It's not my favorite movie. (laughs) I bet you secretly watch it. You have like a hidden room that you rent out and it's just decked out in Zack Snyder merchandise. (laughs) Superman room. (laughs) Yeah. So before we watch this. A bat cave, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Watchmen. Did you see Watchmen? I did see Watchmen. That came out about the same time, I want to say. No, it's way older. Oh, I thought you meant the same time as Batman versus Superman. Oh, no, I was thinking Iron Man. (laughs) Yes, I think it came out around the same time as that. Okay, so before we watch Iron Man, I wrote down what I remembered. I said, we learned the value of a good personal assistant, Pepper Potts, takes out the trash, and an a-hole gets kidnapped by some caveman, invents an Iron Man suit, and then battles some baddies. Pretty accurate. That was pretty accurate. My memory is pretty good after 10 years. So... Why are we doing this podcast and why did I agree to see all these movies with you? Because it's super funny since you don't actually care or know anything about these movies. You think so? (laughs) Yeah. I just remember you asked me if I would like to see all 20-some movies in a row in a theater. Mm -hmm. And I said, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow this seemed like a better option. <laughs> well, this was my consolation prize because your husband promised to see them all with me in the theaters and then AMC didn't do the full run before Infinity War like they did before Avengers 2. How was this a consolation prize for me? <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Dale. You get to see a bunch of bad movies when you couldn't, couldn't have seen them in the theater all at once. <laughs> yep. These movies are a phenomenon. They're going to reshape the... They've already reshaped the film industry, honestly. I don't know, because there were superhero movies before this. Yeah, but not like this. This is the first 
connected universe in major motion pictures. It's lasted a decade and they're still not done. And everyone makes like a billion dollars. Movies that are set in like the real world are all in like <laughs> it's not universe. a cinematic universe. <laughs> but it is a universe that makes more sense. <laughs> True. We'll we'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> well, as we're recording this, next weekend, Ant Man versus the Wasp comes out, which is movie number twenty or twenty one. We're not gonna make it that far. And then there's Captain Marvel. What? And That's she's not a, a thing. woman. I like women. Exactly. I am a woman. Yep. So you'll be excited about that one. Will I though? <laughs> Maybe. It'll probably be less sexist than these two. Maybe. So, want to talk about this movie? Sure. So, let's talk about who's in this movie. You must be the famous Pepper Potts. I am Loki. I am Groot. I am Iron Man. Agent Coulson. <gasps> so, we've got Tony, Iron Man. Tony Stark. Yep. And then we have the first female character. Well, okay. A very poor female character. Yes. I call her bad journalist. <laughs> Accurate. She's <laughs> ostensibly from Vanity Fair. Yes. But maybe that was just a ruse. But maybe Vanity Fair is actually doing like think pieces. I, I feel like Vanity Fair is the playboy of women's magazines. <laughs> Not that they have naked people in them, but that they occasionally have, um, I actually read it for the article mm. in it. Although I don't think Playboy is publishing anymore, are they? I don't know. Okay. Well. Half's dead. We'll get to that <laughs> later. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not really either of our area of expertise. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh-huh. Although I did find a box of Playboys in the basement when I was younger, and my friend and I did read them. For the articles? Read them. <laughs> <laughs> An educational experience, huh? Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, there is Tony Stark's business partner. Obadiah. Uh-huh. The worst name on the face of the earth. Yeah, it reminds me of Jebediah, but like different. Yeah. It's like Why? he should be Amish, but he's like a capitalist evil person. Yeah. And he's, you find this out in a, a movie about the, the, the industry within the movie that when uh, Tony Stark's parents died early. And so he took over the company while Tony Stark was like between the ages of 16 and 21. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so, yeah. Um, we have Pepper Potts, mm-hmm. played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who you said this to me while we were watching the movie, is you don't see why she's attractive at all. No, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't get Gwyneth Paltrow as an actress. I don't understand. <laughs> she got voted like one of those like magazines, like People Magazine's Most Beautiful Woman or whatever. I don't get it. She's a very beautiful woman. Is she? Yes. I don't know. Yes, she is. <laughs> no. There's something off-putting about her. It might be the the goop. <laughs> the goop? <laughs> yeah. What goop? Uh, she runs an online uh, lifestyle magazine. Called, called the goop. goop? It's called Goop. I don't like that at all. Yeah, like it's like she's trying to compete with Martha Stewart, only it's like, 
oh, it's all natural and get your vagina steamed and like. (laughs) Okay, actually, no, it's a side note because I didn't know this detail, but it does add to my story. Nikki and I were just like reading clickbait articles and there was one about, I want to say Gwen Stefani or some actress, um, like uh, Jennifer Lawrence or someone. And they were like, Gwyneth Paltrow turned me on to this new skincare treatment that's made from like baby sperm, like stem cells or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like <laughs> like baby goop. testicles. <laughs> it's like, excuse me. Uh huh. Yeah, that sounds like something that would come from the goop. Yeah. So I kind of I was gonna say that's why you don't like her. No, nope. that's why people don't <laughs> like her now. I think because it sounds super stuck up. Well, Blake Lively has a lifestyle blog, and I love her. But she is a beautiful person. Blake Lively is a beautiful person. (laughs) That, too. I think, generally, if you're in the movies, you tend to be a beautiful person. Obadiah is not beautiful. Especially if you're a woman. Like, that's the nature of The Vanity Fair woman was pretty beautiful, but not a good journalist. Okay, who else do we have in this movie? Uh, So we got Agent Cutie Face Colburn, (laughs) as you like to call him. Yeah, that's because I think that he's a much better ma- match for Pepper Potts mm-hmm. than is Tony Stark, where they hint at a romance near the end of the movie. And his name is actually Agent Coulson, but um, we're not going to say that. Colburn is the people who deliver groceries. <laughs> what? Colburn delivers. <laughs> I don't know them. I had Schwann's. <laughs> and then um, Colonel Bestie. Yes. That's uh, Tony Stark's. Best friend in the army. Mm-hmm. Army? Yeah. Air Force? Army? Air Force? I'm going to go Pretty sure on. he's in the Air Force. Okay. Played in this movie by Terrence Howard. Okay, good job. But in all the rest of them. Crap, he switches bodies? <laughs> yes. It's, is it Don Cheadle? Yeah. I don't know. I, think so. I haven't seen the rest of the movies. <laughs> Have you not? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with it's Don Cheadle. And okay. It is Don Cheadle, yes. Okay. Played by future Don Cheadle. But right now it's uh, Terrence Howard who invented his own math. So, Okay. And then we have some guy named Happy that you pointed out to me. And I was like, that's a real name? Yes, it's Happy. He's also the director of the film. <laughs> why, would you, why, why do you need to be in your own film? Because he's an actor. I don't know. Has he acted in other things? Yeah. Like what? Uh, he was just in a movie that I watched the other day. Um, Okay, uh-huh. so John Favreau has also been in The Jungle Book 2016. He's in Solo, A Star Wars Story. He's in Chef. So there you go. Is that the is that the food truck one? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't see it. I didn't either. Okay. But so that's Happy is John Favreau. Okay. Yeah. Who else is in this? Uh, that's about it. What did you think of Stan Lee's cameo? I know Stan Lee is. Okay. He's some comic book guy (laughs) who wrote like all of them as far as i know every comic book every comic book every marvel comic book this comic book wait did he write this comic book i don't know if you're on iron man i don't read comics (laughs) i was in the bathroom like i don't know plucking my eyebrows or something and like bored and i was reading like the wikipedia article on stan lee a while back and so i remember very little of it okay you were plucking your eyebrows while reading something? I don't remember. Maybe I was waxing my face. It's like 
you know, it's a okay. whole process. Okay. <laughs> but so he wrote, I'm going to go ahead and don't at me comic book nerds. Fantastic Four. Um, first. But he now makes movies. He doesn't make movies. He just cameos in them. So now he cameos in movies. Yes. Okay. And fun fact, because we'll get into this eventually, I'm sure. Uh, you know that Marvel Studios, which is now owned by Disney, mm-hmm. is what makes the movies, but they do not own the rights to all of the Marvel characters. Who do they not own the rights to? They don't own the rights to Spider-Man or any of Spider-Man's villains. What? That's Sony. But they made a Spider-Man movie, yeah? No. <laughs> and he's nearly an adventure. <laughs> they did a partnership deal with Sony Pictures. <laughs> To allow Spider-Man to be in the Avengers. Well, actually, to allow Spider-Man to be in Captain America, uh, Civil War, and then the Avengers. And then they also helped out, I believe, on Spider-Man Homecoming, but that's technically a Sony movie. And then they also don't own the rights to, coincidentally, Fantastic Four or Deadpool, who's usually thought of as a Spider-Man villain. But I guess they lumped him in with X-Men because they also don't own the rights to X-Men. Fantastic Four came out like a long time before these things. Mm -hmm. And that was all in the same universe. How is that different? It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So why is this like a breakthrough thing that it's a Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because the Marvel Cinematic (laughs) Universe is like the string of Marvel movies. So like Fox has the X-Men movies. Yeah. And Deadpool. And that was... That was that was a very long run of X Men movies that uh, that went on for longer than but they're ten years. Not and also technically all oh, in the same universe. They kind and of also, are. What about all of the Star Trek movies? Those are all in the same universe until eventually they go back in time, and then it's just like a different universe. But that is way longer than ten years. So this is nonsense. Did the Star Trek movies have theatrical releases? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that then. Although, I think the argument is that these are all like different properties where they have like standalone films. It's not just like the same cast every time. And then they all come together for the like culmination. Mm. I'm not going to argue this anymore because it's (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Well, anyways, my point was, so these three different studios own all the Marvel characters and are only allowed to make their own movies. However... Stan Lee does make a cameo in pretty much all of them. That seems like a pretty good job. Right? So what did you think of the Stan Lee cameo? Okay. So you told me what it was. And when I saw it, I thought it was just a really bad Hugh Hefner impersonator. (laughs) So I'm going to put that under bad Hugh Hefner impersonation. Is that cool? Sounds good. Okay. All right, <laughs> next segment. Who takes off their shirt? <laughs> uh, this segment we like to call the anti-Bechdel test. <laughs> it's where a woman talks to a man about men. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, Tony Stark takes off his shirt. Uh, he has the bandages, but we decided we weren't going to count that. I wouldn't count that. Um, and then later, when Pepper Potts is digging in his chest, his shirt is off. Mm-hmm. Are those the only times he's shirtless? I think so. Okay. Uh, the bad journalist. <laughs> she takes her shirt off. 
Yep. <laughs> she certainly does. Uh, uh, n- not, not a common practice in journalism. I mean, you know, she's got to get that story. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and then Obadiah, surprisingly, is shirtless twice. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> he has to... He has to call in via a video chat to see how a, a missile test went mm-hmm. from from home and in bed uh, to, to Tony Stark in Afghanistan, and he is not wearing a shirt in bed. No. But later we see him um, in his in his like silk button up pajamas, sitting <laughs> 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 by the fire with a extravagant chest set for no apparent reason. So I'm talk through what happens in the movie. Yeah, let's talk All about right. the plot of this. Okay, so it opens in the fun V, which yes. is the opposite of the humdrum V, where Tony Stark is drinking a martini. I think he's drinking whiskey. When the, I want to call it an entourage, but there's a better name for that. What do you call it? Oh, I know this. Uh, okay. The caravan. Convoy. The Convoy? Envoy? I'm going to go with Convoy. Yeah. Convoy gets attacked (laughs) with weapons that were manufactured by Stark Industries. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, And then we go to a flashback. Which is a great callback. What? Stark Industries or flashback? The Stark Industries missile? Uh Not yet. And I actually don't even think they bring it up, which is a real miss on their part, quite frankly, for a connected cinematic universe. But... Fast forwarding two phases, well, one phase technically. What? You can't do that to me. <laughs> well, we'll we'll call back to it later. We'll we'll play this back. Um, okay. So in Avengers Two: Age of Ultron. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> which? Can we just call it Avengers Two? Because that other stuff you said didn't make sense. <laughs> when I said Age of Ultron before, you said that's the name of a movie. So in Age of Ultron. The kind of uh, the crux of the film, the emotional crux is we're introduced to these two characters and uh, they hate Tony Stark and they want to kill him because because a missile landed in their home and killed their whole family and then another one landed and it didn't kill them because it just like wouldn't detonate and it was just sitting there and so they were just staring at the missile that said Stark Industries on it. So... Exactly the same thing that happens to him when he falls out of the Humvee and he's staring at the missile, but then his does detonate and he gets a bunch of shards of metal inside of his body. Mm-hmm. So then what happens to those shards of metal inside his body? They're slowly moving towards his heart. So, uh, um, oh, we didn't talk about the other guy. Wait, what other guy? The helper guy in the cave. Oh, yeah, because we were, we were going to the flashback because this is where we get all our background information about Tony Stark. There's a video. Mm-hmm. He's getting some award in Las Vegas. Yeah. Number one, total genius. Number two, his parents died. Totally irrelevant in this film. But Number it comes two. relevant later. Oh. Also, his father is not played by the same person that plays his father in any of the other movies to follow. Number three, we learn that he owns this really giant company. And while he was not of age, um, Obadiah <laughs> ran the company. Number four, we learn that he does not play by the rules because they call him up to stage to accept the award, and he is totally playing craps with a couple beautiful ladies in the casino. Sounds like Tony Stark. Yep. 
Yep. And then he leaves the casino where he is accosted by bad journalist. Mm -hmm. And Happy, who says, it's okay to talk to her because she looks hot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess that's why Vanity Fair sent her to talk to Tony Skark because they knew his uh, preferences. Yes. See, the way I read it, like, no no shade against Vanity Fair, but initially watching it, I assumed that, like, she was trying to work her feminine wiles and, like, trick him and, like, thinking that he would do an article for Vanity Fair because it's about, like, hot ladies as opposed to, like, if she worked for, like, CNN or something and she's trying to do a story about his missile testing. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I just read it <laughs> as, like, she actually worked for Vanity Fair. That's fair. Yeah, and she totally gets into his limousine. Yes, after he makes a sexual advance towards her, that's not even like a good pun, and then she rebuffs him, and then he does a second one like 30 seconds later, and then she's just totally done for it. Bad journalist? So what I learned is that when you're trying to sleep with a woman who's not interested, you just have to try one more time. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be useful (laughs) advice for you, Felix. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> okay. So, totally gets in his car, and mm-hmm. then they go from Las Vegas yes. to his home in Malibu. Mm-hmm. Geography. So, do you know how far Malibu is from Las Vegas? I'm going to guess Malibu's in Florida? No. Malibu's in California. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good job. Uh, (laughs) Geography. (laughs) You did did tell me that that was your worst subject. Yeah. Uh, So I'm actually really good at estimating miles, though. I didn't write down the miles. I just wrote down the time because it seemed like an insane amount of time to, like, drive. Drive. Well, he and has like, like helicopters be... and private planes. Yep, I wrote that down too. Okay, because it seemed like a, a an insane amount of like distance to like hook up. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm gonna guess that from Las Vegas to Malibu, it is 800 miles. Give me that in hours. Uh, I think that's a little like far. hour and a half, two hours. No, no. <laughs> well, no, because Las Vegas, you can drive from Vegas to LA. Yep. And so that's let's say like 400 miles. That's where you're, you're in the right. It's like an area. hour, an hour flight. Yep. An hour flight or four and a half hours driving. Okay. Three, four hours driving. Yeah. Yeah. So either they took his private plane where she was like, oh, let's go to the airport. I will totally still be into you after that really bad come on. And I will totally sleep with you where I take my shirt off, but not my bra, (laughs) and go to your house. Mm -hmm. Or else they take the limo all the way to his house for four hours. Well, okay. So it's definitely nighttime, probably like 10, 11 p.m. Yep. When they meet. And then it's still nighttime when he gets there Uh to this house. That's, what, a one-hour time difference? Is Vegas on the West Coast? Or... I think it's, yeah. Is it a mountain time? I think it's on the West Coast. Okay. So even if there's no time difference, it's still four hours later. So we're putting him at like four o'clock in the morning. Uh Uh-huh. And then she's woken up by the sunrise when Uh his alarm goes off at like 7 a.m. Uh-huh. Sounds fishy. Well, 
I'm not a bad journalist either. <laughs> so what what do I know? So that is when Pepper Potts and escorts the bad journalist out and sends Tony to the airplane and Or she takes out the trash. Oh yes, she she does take <laughs> out the trash. Um and she sends Tony to the airplane and buys her and says she bought herself a birthday present because it's her birthday. Right. So how far is it to Afghanistan where he goes? <laughs> uh, I have literally no idea. I've never been to the Middle East. Geography. It's an 18-hour plane flight. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's like directly across the world. Yeah, it's pretty far. Okay, so that's a really long plane flight. Anyway, then we're back to the opening scene where, um, where right or right before the opening scene where he demonstrates a the Jericho missile mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. It's a missile that splits into a bunch of little missiles and then destroys like a whole mountainside. Yep. Is that about accurate? And then he does the um, Jesus Brazil pose. Is that in Brazil? What's in yes. Brazil? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The statue. That doesn't seem like a thing Jesus would do. <laughs> Destroy a mountain in the Middle East? Probably not. Anyway, then we're back to real time after that flashback. Right. Okay. Where he is in the cave and his life is saved by um, a man named Jensen. Sure. Well, but I always want to call him Yosef. And yeah. he hooks him up to a car battery yeah. to keep the metal shards magnetized out of his heart. Which is totally not how shrapnel works. I don't think so. No, shrapnel. Yeah, he mentions that where he's from, which must be somewhere in the Middle East, people with shrapnel in them are known as the walking dead because they, um, their pieces of shrapnel will eventually hurt them. They'll walk around for a week and then die. And that is definitely not how shrapnel works. Because I think of shrapnel as just being like, like bullets, where doctors won't ta- take out bullets unless, like, it's somewhere bad and they just kind of stay in the body until, like, they work themselves out. Fun fact, The Walking Dead didn't air until 2010. So there was a comic book. I don't know how old The Walking Dead comic book was, but it's not a Marvel comic, so. Oh, okay, so that's okay. Yeah. Because otherwise, there would be a <laughs> Walking Dead superhero that would <laughs> one day just show up. I would not be surprised if I were to learn that there's a zombie superhero at this point. Okay. There's a Marvel character who's a, no, he's a DC character who's a street. What? <laughs> like a, a street, like a road? Yep. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. So anyway, this Jensen guy. Um, or Yosef. Or Yosef, whatever his name is. He, he's... He's sort of like a prisoner, but also like he speaks the language and he wears this like, not a three-piece suit because he doesn't wear the dra- the jacket, but he wears like this vest and this white dress shirt <laughs> inside this cave. So it's like, it's kind of an insane thing to wear inside a cave. Yeah. And he hooks up Tony Stark to a car battery because he puts a ele- an electromagnet near his heart to attract all the shrapnel fragments. Which also, like, there's not enough room in your chest cavity for that thing. It, like, goes all the way into him, and they'd have to carve out his rib cage, and, like, it'd be a whole thing. Yeah, like, this part doesn't make sense at all. Which is okay, because, like, the whole universe kind of doesn't make sense at all, yeah? Yeah. 
But so then Tony's like, I got to fix this better. And so he like detaches the car battery and invents a small arc reactor Mm -hmm. and puts it in his chest to keep the uh, shrapnel out. Yep. Which is modeled after the larger arc reactor, which powers his manufacturing plant. Something like that. Yep. And meanwhile, the guys who kidnapped him, um, they're using his missiles, but they want the Jericho missile that he just demonstrated. Right. So they make a deal with him that he can leave and they won't kill him if he makes them this missile. And so then while he's making the arc reactor and then later a giant power suit <laughs> to fight them and escape, they believe that he is making the Jericho missile, which I take issue with. Yeah, because it makes absolutely no sense because they have like video cameras and they're yeah. watching him make this and Yinzen or Yosef is his little like a <laughs> lab assistant and helps him like grab stuff and put stuff together. But like it's stuff like he's he's like he's putting his leg in like a little power thing. <laughs> like how is that related to a missile at all? Like no they idea. should have been on to him like way before that. Yeah, they deserved it. Yeah. And then Jensen sacrifices himself. Yep. Well, like, he did say that, like, he was going to see his family. And after all of that talk about, like, these people are the walking dead. And then he's like, I'm going to go see my family when we leave here. He sacrifices himself. Yeah. But he He, didn't need to. Well, he did because, like, there was no plan to actually get him out. Tony was going to fly him out or something. Yeah, fly him out. Like, this is what happened. Tony was, like, hanging by some carabiners in the cave. (laughs) Then they, like, then there was a big fight machine in this cave, which was, like, pretty deep. And then, like, everybody was, like, shooting guns. And then Yinsen got shot. And, like, everybody could see where Tony was because he is a guy in a dark cave with a flashlight on his chest, mm-hmm. which is the arc reactor. And he like storms out of the cave. And then his big plan is he's going to fly out of there in his flying suit. Yep. So he flies out of there on his flying suit. And his plan was, I think, just to carry him yeah. in his arms. Flies out in his flying suit and then he crash lands <laughs> and his suit is destroyed. And then leaves so, like, all of the pieces behind, which like, Anyone that is a weapons manufacturer or does dealings with the United States military knows that you do not leave proprietary technology just like behind in the test area. Yeah, but if that crash landing destroyed his like power suit, it would have destroyed Yinsen, who was just a dude. It should have destroyed Tony too, but it didn't. Well, he was inside the power suit. That's like when you wear a bike helmet and then, like, it destroys your helmet, but it doesn't destroy your head. Yeah, but when you That's wear a bike point. helmet, if you fall from, like, 800 feet in the air. Yeah, that's because it's, like, a bike helmet designed to protect you from bike, bike falls. Fair. Not a power suit designed to, to protect you from power falls, I guess, would be it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think there was a real plan for getting Yinsen out of the cave anyway. Mm-mm. Also, if you're going to escape from a cave, um, hide the flashlight on your chest. Yes. But so then, somehow, they find Tony. Yep. Then, like, a helicopter happens to fly overhead and, like, be looking for him. Oh, 
Yeah, I don't remember that part. <laughs> um, and so they go back to America. Um, and he has cheeseburgers. Yep, that was a major point, yep. and then a major like marketing push by <laughs> by a company. Yeah, Burger King, I believe. Yep. <laughs> and he was like, he had two cheeseburgers, and then Obadiah was like, "You didn't get me one," and he was like, "Oh no, ate him in the car," and then pulls out another cheeseburger during the <laughs> press conference. <laughs> That's true, because he does this big thing where he's he's like going to have a press conference, and he like and he goes behind the pro the the podium, and then it's like no, let's be casual, and he sits down in front of the podium, and then he whips out that cheeseburger. Yep, so he's a liar. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Pepper's like really excited to see him and wants him to go to the hospital, and he's like, no, we gotta have a press conference. I gotta eat these cheeseburgers. Uh, <laughs> you know, important things exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, if I got back from a cave in Afghanistan, I wouldn't go to Burger King, but I might go to McDonald's. Well, preferences. <laughs> Although I think they have McDonald's in Afghanistan, right? They have McDonald's everywhere. Well, they probably have one at the at the um, generic armed forces base. Yeah. Or at the airport. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they have one at the Austin airport. Apparently, they only have, like, local restaurants. They don't have a Starbucks. Oh, anyway. they're just kind of snotty there. Yeah. Oh, I see. But yeah, so uh, they're at the press conference and uh, a bad journalist is there. Uh-huh. And Naturally. Tony is like, she's just stalking him. Because like, I don't know where this press conference is taking place. I'm assuming California. Yeah. Um, But she, so Tony's like, I almost got killed by my own missiles. I see now that weapons manufacturing is wrong and i thought we were saving people but we're actually like also supplying the bad guys so from this point on stark industries is not going to manufacture weapons and obadiah is not having it Mm -hmm. but then obadiah knows about the mini arc reactor somehow from either pepper or roadie probably roadie uh-huh that's colonel best friend yeah so they take he takes Tony to the big arc reactor to scold him, but then immediately is like, but tell me, is it real? And then like he rips his shirt open. Oh, more shirtlessness. <laughs> and looks at the arc reactor. I don't know. Uh-huh. Who knows? You know? Yeah. About this time is also where we meet Agent Cutie Face Colbert. Yes. Yes. Because he needs to debrief Tony after being captured by some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somehow this is still only like the first like 40 minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So after this, uh, Tony becomes a homebody, as I said, and he uh, spends his time making a better Iron Man suit. Um, Which is like the best part of the movie. Is it? It's cute. Okay. It's cute. He's like playing with his robots and almost destroying his vintage oh, cars. Yeah, yeah, but he should have really like actually destroyed his vintage <laughs> cars because he is not very careful. No. And he has that like awesome, um, I call it a dance floor. Yes. <laughs> it's like a green floor where like the parts come out and like by the machinery and like lock them into place. And oh, we have the little thing where like, at first, it's gold, but then he then he's like, "Oh, that's too ostentatious. Let's paint it like something flashy, like red, and then like a sports car." And then you're like, "It's golden red. It's pretty flashy." Sounds like Tony Stark. Yep, yep, yep. Um, 
Uh, and at this point, this is also the place where he he replaces his original um, mini arc reactor with a better one yes. that's not made in a cave. <laughs> and he wants to throw away the old one because he's not sentimental, but Pepper Potts keeps it. Yeah, and he makes Pepper Potts like grab the stuff because it's in his chest where you can't see it which was super gross why was it super gross because of the goop (laughs) (laughs) call back and also because she doesn't know what operation is and i'm like operation who doesn't know what operation is the game yeah yeah so she doesn't know like how to not touch the side because he's like it's just like operation the game don't touch the sides and she messes it up. Mm-hmm. Also, he has like a giant hole in his chest, it's the size of a <laughs> the size of a solo cup. Uh huh. Yeah, Which and it's really gross, goopy in there because of something to do with the arc reactor. But I don't. Really oh know. yeah, he said it's not biological fluids. It's like computer fluids or something. Uh, electrical fluids. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Who knows? Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Dark reactor isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, this is where we take a break. This is where Felix asks me some questions <laughs> that I can't answer about money. So, Dale, how much did you think this movie cost to make? Okay. So, we talked about this before. And my answer was a lot of money. And you decided that was not good enough. No. Okay. And my answer is a lot of money because, number one, there are lots of explosions. Uh-huh. And all the explosions seem to contain fireworks. <laughs> so that seems really expensive. There's also some special effects. So I'm going to go with lots of money. Mm-hmm. Like millions of dollars. How many millions would you say? $200 million. Very close. Yeah? Yeah. I got it close this time? Okay. But if we're playing by the prices Right rules, you lose because you went over. <laughs> How much? $140 million. $140 million. Okay. Yep. I have no concept of money numbers that big. <laughs> well. Talk to me about sandwiches or Burger King and I know what money is. $140 million Burger King sandwiches. How much do you think it made? More than that, this was a very popular movie. Uh-huh. Even I saw it. Do you want the domestic or the worldwide? Um, give me both. Wait, okay, okay. I'm gonna guess that they're about equal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, relatively. Okay. How much? Uh, guess. Guess. Okay, so if it cost 140 million dollars to make. I'm going to guess that it made at least three times as much. So I'm going to go with $400 million. Very close. You cut it right down the middle. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I'm getting better at this. <laughs> uh, domestically, it made 318 Okay. And then foreign, 266 So uh, worldwide total of $585 million. $174,222. Um, that's very precise. <laughs> yep. How much do you think it made opening weekend? You know I don't know this. A lot. 
Okay. Uh, $10 million. It almost covered its production budget opening weekend. Wow. It made $98 million. Wow. Okay. I think I'm impressed, but I don't know that much because... As we progress, it'll get easier to guess, but the numbers tend to increase. Seriously? Uh, I mean, almost double considering the fact that the first Avengers made over a billion dollars. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll like tuck that little bit yep. away in my brain. So that when we get to the first Avengers, if we get to the first Avengers, I'll remember that. Okay. Back to plot. Back to plot. All right. Meanwhile, who finds that Iron Man suit? Who? I called them the baddies in the Middle East. <laughs> What would you call them? I don't know if that's politically correct, but Um, I'm good with that. Well, they are in the Middle East, and they are part of the the baddies in this movie. Mm -hmm. In this case, it turns out they're working for somebody. Yep. I wrote down Jebediah. That's not (laughs) his name, is it? Obadiah, Jebediah. Uh, Yeah, so then Tony, the board of directors, which, listen... I've never served on the board of directors of a major corporation that is open on the stock market, but I have served on a few boards of directors, and I don't believe that anyone, I mean, I ass- okay, I assume it's a publicly traded company, but like, even still, he owns the majority of the company, so I'm assuming over 51%. Yeah, I would assume that too. And is like... The CEO? Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how they could force him out without purchasing the company from him. I don't know. But anyways, they force him out. Uh-huh. Or they, Obadiah gets an injunction or the board gets an injunction, so he says, but then later we learn it's actually Obadiah. Spoiler alert. Um, this movie is 10 years old. I think it's okay to spoil <laughs> things. Also, I spoiled it all in the introduction to this. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that happens. And then Tony goes to a party. He does go to a party. Where he sexually harasses Pepper Potts. That's very true. She works for him. <laughs> yep, workplace harassment. And then um, is confronted by a bad journalist who's, again, trying to be a good journalist. Is she trying to be a good journalist? Yeah, she's like trying to get a story about the missile that went off and killed all those people in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, she is. Um, is she flirting with him at all? No. Oh, okay. Because she's angry. Okay. Is that the difference? I guess. Okay. Um, maybe she's still upset about Pepper's garbage comment. Um, <laughs> that makes sense because that's not nice. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Uh-huh. And then um, uh, he confronts Obadiah about it. And that's when we learn that Obadiah is the one that's actually behind all of this. Uh-huh. And then he gets angry and flies to Afghanistan. Wait, is does he fly in an airplane? Or I think does he, he flies, flies in the in Iron Man suit. Okay. To like exact revenge. Okay. So should we do this again? Geography. <laughs> so do we think this Iron Man suit um, flies faster than an airplane? Faster than a regular airplane, yes. I believe they say at some point that he broke the sound barrier, so probably about as fast as a jet. Okay. So if it 
breaks the sound barrier, does it also cause a son- sonic boom? Yes. So then do people know he's coming because there's a son- sonic boom? <laughs> I mean... Or do they know he's already here because, like, the sonic boom comes later? I don't know. I don't know when he accelerated to that speed. It could have been over the ocean. But doesn't, doesn't it continuously happen and then there's just always a sonic boom following you? I don't think that's how it works. That's not how it works in the movies. I've never flown faster than the speed of sound. Yeah, you can't hear it when you're flying. But that's why why planes don't fly that fast anymore. Well, let's see. So that is Mach 1, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, And that is... Yeah, but like, like anywhere you are, it's one song, sonic boom. I thought it just like there was a boom when you hit that speed and then no. it was silent or it's just like a continuous boom. You you hear it like wherever you're standing, you hear it once because all the sound waves are hitting you at the same time. Yeah. So if they weren't standing near him, they wouldn't hear it. Right. Okay. So if you accelerate over the ocean. Okay. So like you're only flying at the speed of sound over the ocean, and then you slow down before you get to land? No, if he continues at that speed. Yes. Then anybody on on the ocean would hear a sonic boom. When he flies overhead? Yes. Okay. Well, then, yeah. So um, there's a lot of sciency numbers that I'm looking at here. I just want to know how many miles per hour it is. So I'm going to Google that. Okay, Google that, <laughs> and I'll tell you that it's very fast. And so we already established it was an eighteen-hour flight. As fast at that as that razor. So, yeah, the speed of sound is seven hundred sixty-seven miles an hour. The average plane is about four hundred miles an hour. So it's about twice as fast. Yeah. So it still take whatever half of eighteen is. <laughs> Nine hours. <laughs> yeah, for him to get. From Miami, Malibu, where the hell he is, to Oh, that's why you think it's in Florida. Yeah, I keep it's in you Miami. Miami. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> yes. Yes, so it's like a day. But to be fair, unlike <laughs> when he goes home with bad journalist, it is daytime when he gets to Afghanistan, uh-huh. as opposed to nighttime when he leaves uh-huh. LA. However, it's past the international dateline. So I don't know how that works. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You're the geography expert. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, so he's in Afghanistan. Yep. He's blowing people up. Yep. He's punching people into walls. Yep. This is our first like real big action sequence. Well, no, I suppose that first one in the cave was a pretty intense action sequence. Yep. But like this one involves flying and missiles. And, And the... Generic arm, division of the armed forces. Right, right. They like something just went supersonic. Uh huh. We gotta find it, and then yep. they send these two jet planes after and, him. And then Colonel Best Friend calls him on his cell phone and is like, "Hey, do you have some tech in the area? Are you sure?" And he's like, "Nope, I got nothing in the area." Until he starts getting shot at. Until he starts getting shot at, and then he's like, oh, please stop shooting. <laughs> does he say, please stop shooting at me, or does he hide it for a little He, he says, it's me. And he's like, what's you? <laughs> and he's confused, and he's like, the thing, it's me. 
I mean it. Yeah, and he like he like runs into one of the plane's wing and Yeah, like, he hits him, which yeah. is like a common recurring theme in sci-fi apparently for you to run into something in space and then blame them for crashing into you. <coughs> uh-huh. Um, but apparently yeah, and that pilot has to eject, right? Yeah, and then he can't get his parachute to open, so then Tony has to save him by punching the parachute mechanism, which I feel like would just break it further, not release the parachute. Uh-huh. But uh, he does that, and then the guy is safe, and then he escapes. Uh, he goes back home, and then, uh, uh, like, tell, like, does he tell Pepper what happens, or she discovers what happened with Obadiah? I don't remember. Because Obadiah does that stupid thing, which like a lot of things in these movies are stupid. I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I really hated the stupid like sound wave thing that Obadiah uses to paralyze him temporarily. Oh, yeah. Um, so that happens. I forgot all about it because it was so stupid. Uh, and then he's paralyzed and Obadiah steals the arc reactor, the mini arc reactor. Out of his chest. Yeah. Because he uses a sound thing yeah. to paralyze. Uh, and he's wearing special, like, earplug yes. things. Yeah, they're, like, noise-canceling earbuds. Uh, which, like, does those, do those exist in real life? Because that would be smart. To have earbuds? I thought they were just earplugs. Oh, no, they're talking, so yeah. they must not be. I don't um, know. That doesn't make sense. Get on it, Bose. Because um, then they would have... No, that can't. Because then they would have to like plug something, right? I think like, it was like specific to the sound that oh, the paralyzing thing makes. The, uh, specific to the science fiction? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So uh, That's he steals where I wear the, my big <laughs> headphones on airplanes. The mini arc reactor to put in his really shitty version of the Iron Man suit that he's building from scraps of the one that they found in Afghanistan because. Spoiler alert, surprise, surprise, Obadiah was behind his kidnapping as well. I uh, wanted that... to have Tony killed, but then the baddies in Afghanistan were like, you didn't tell us it was Tony Stark. He's the billionaire. We're not going to just kill him for the little pittance you're trying to pay us. Pay us more. Um, and then Pepper Potts discovers this by hacking into his computer in Tony's office. Oh, yeah. And... There's like all this <laughs> stuff I forgot. <laughs> Then <laughs> they have this like really awkward confrontational scene where you think he's onto her, but he's not really onto her. He's just being a creeper. Uh, but then he does there become is, onto her. There's like a little bit of sexual harassment <laughs> in this movie. Yes. Um, and so then she escapes, and she's as she's running out of Stark Industries, she runs into Agent Cutie Colburn again. Oh yeah. And she's like, "I got a story for you. We're having a meeting right now." Oh yeah, and then she makes him like a run with her. Yeah. And then they go back to Shield, I guess. Who knows? Um, and then Tony's like dying on the floor because he doesn't have his thing to stop the shards from going to his chest, and he's like trying to crawl to his Iron Man suit. But then he discovers the one that Pepper saved oh, from the cave because she is sentimental. Yep. And I liked the little touch that she had it engraved, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Uh huh. <laughs> um. Because he's an asshole. <laughs> and then, so you agreed with me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. And so then he's okay again. Um, and then he puts on the Iron Man suit and goes to fight Obadiah in his Iron Man suit. Uh-huh. And S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up there, right? Yeah. 
And so then there's a bunch of men in Shield suit. does absolutely nothing to protect Pepper and just lets her run first into <laughs> the place where Obadiah is building a suit. And yep, now we get attacked. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so they're fighting. And then Tony's like, you have to set off the arc reactor. He says, and it'll fry him or something. Um, which brings us to our first. Skybeam, <laughs> where it shoots up into the air and blasts Tony, but he's fine. And then also blasts Obadiah and he dies. Um, okay, so we'd never see Obadiah again? We'd never see Obadiah again. Okay, but Tony's totally okay. He yeah. Obadiahed. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to this amazing statistic I just read yesterday that Pepper Potts kills 11% of the villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Which is pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive considering how high of heels she is constantly wearing. Constantly. She's basically friends with the ginger from um, Jurassic World. Okay. Which in the sequel, they make this extra point to show that she's not wearing high heels. And I'm like, shut up. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah. So Obadiah dies and... Pepper, Tony is like fine for whatever reason, but then he has to put the better one back in his chest so he doesn't die. Um, and then it's like happily ever after, right? He goes and he holds another press conference and bad uh, journalist is still there, but she's being really sassy. Uh-huh. And S.H.I.E.L.D. has given Tony a really good cover story. Right, where it's his bodyguard that wears the Iron Man suit. <laughs> Yeah, something, something, and he was off at a party on a yacht because yep. he's totally a playboy. But then, because he's Tony Stark, he just completely ignores that and announces to the world that he is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And then the movie credits pop up, uh, roll credits, and the song Iron Man starts playing. Yep. Well, of course. <laughs> Very subtle. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> And then we have a post-credit scene. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You're here with a mission, sir? Well, I guess that's worth a look. You know, and thank you, by the way, for listening. Rose. Yes, our first post-credit scene, which is Nick Fury, who comes. Who's Nick Fury? Nick Fury Do is we care? the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. He's Samuel L. Jackson, yep. which is more important, yep. honestly. I always want to call him Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, okay. That's, that's somebody different. Um. Yeah, and he's like, "We're starting a team. You're not special." And, and you think you're the only superhero, <laughs> even though I don't think he ever claimed to be a superhero. He just made a fancy suit. He did. Um, but yeah, and that's Iron Man, two thousand eight. Yep. What'd you think? Um. I remember that I feel like I liked it at the time. I think it was because it was more gritty than a lot of other superhero movies. Um, but a lot of it didn't make a lick of sense. Yeah. Like, especially the bit about having shrapnel and needing a... <laughs> <laughs> needing electromagnet near your heart. Um, I did not like bad journalist. <laughs> and the sexual harassment. Yeah, and like that thing. Yeah, not not cool. What was your favorite part? 
I did like Agent Cutie's Colburn because he just seemed like a guy who was doing his job. Who is like not actually bald, but in my head he's bald. He's not bald. No. No. He just comes across as bald to me. Yeah, he just has to like follow some some a hole around, try to get in an, a debrief interview, <laughs> and then shows up at the right time. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Um, I like it. It's one of my my higher rated ones. Um, higher rated Marvel movies or yeah. higher rated movies overall. Marvel movies. Okay, just checking. Um, I really like, see, like, I didn't watch any, or at least not many, Robert Downey Jr. movies, like, uh-huh. before his drug abuse. Um, and so, like, this was really, like, the first big Robert Downey Jr. movie that I saw. Um, and I love him. And he's, like, such a perfect Tony Stark. He totally looks like Tony Stark from the comics, which, like, means nothing to me because I don't read them, uh, but he does. He does. Does Tony Stark in the comics have that weird, like... Like yeah. little mustache. Yeah, that doesn't just, quite connect to the beard. Yeah, that's like just above his lip and doesn't go like all the way up near yes. his nose. <laughs> Very specific facial hair. Oh, okay. Oh, this is weird. I love it. It's very like Hunger Gamesy. It is. That's kind of true. It's very egomaniac. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> and he's an alcoholic, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, I don't know. My favorite part is probably him building the Iron Man suit. Um, oh, we did leave someone out. He's not a huge role, but he's got a bigger role than Happy. Jarvis. Jarvis? Uh-huh. Jarvis the talking house? Yes. Jarvis the Amazon Alexa? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. He's Tony's, like, crown jewel... Invention AI system. Uh, he becomes a very big part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If he's Tony Tony's crown jewel AI crown jewel AI system, how come he's not in everybody's house? Because he's just for Tony. Why would you not capitalize on that? Because <laughs> he's thing an is egomaniac. Good, um, he's an egomaniac, but he's also a capitalist and yeah but not really he's got heart you know he's a billionaire he doesn't need any more money he's Um, reforming the company to stop manufacturing weapons see that seems like the perfect thing to like start manufacturing (laughs) ai weapons yeah personal assistance you'll learn when we get to the avengers age of ultron (laughs) what tony's vision for ai is (laughs) because that's Um, the whole crux of the movie okay even though I earlier said the whole crux of the movie was the twins that they introduced us to, but there's uh, two cruxes. There's two cruxes. <laughs> His vision for AI is the inciting incident. Let's say that. Okay. I'm assuming he's like, let's sell things on Amazon <laughs> and let people get the weather very quickly in the morning. Know if they need an umbrella. Jarvis, turn off living room. So... Uh-huh. Where would you rate this movie in relation to your favorite movie of all time? You are never a god. You are never even a man. Kill Martha. I remember Superman Dawn What? Justice. No, 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 no. That's the worst movie I've ever seen. 
how would you how many batman versus superman dawns of justices would you give this movie okay so this is much better than batman versus superman dawn of justice (laughs) are two superheroes three two superheroes fighting each other there was a third superhero that like showed up for no reason to like look at some art and be pretty because that is the uh, function of women. Yeah. <laughs> According to Zack Snyder. Yep. Yep. Um, wait. Is Wonder Woman in the Marvel Universe? No. What? This is very confusing. That, can I just put... DC. Can I put Wonder Woman at the top of this list, please? No. Please? <laughs> no. I said please. <laughs> okay. So. Did yes. you see Wonder Woman? Yes. You know, that's in the same universe as Batman versus Superman, right? Oh, yeah. They're fighting each other. No reason. Didn't make a look of sense. Okay. So the answer is five. Okay. Five times better than Batman versus Superman. Cool. Didn't make much more sense, but at least good shorter. guys weren't fighting each other for no reason. Okay. All right. What did we learn? Don't be a bad journalist. Don't sleep with the person you're interviewing, unless that's, that's the point of the interview. When is, what's it like to sleep with a porn star? <laughs> exactly. I tried it and found out. <laughs> um, don't uh, subscribe to Goop. <laughs> we did learn that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you like somebody and you offer to go get them a martini with lots of olives... Don't forget about it yeah. because they're going to remember and not like you back. Don't fly to Afghanistan without telling them you're leaving. Yep. Also, extra rude because like, even if it was only a nine hour flight, that's nine hours where he has hands-free cell phone capabilities. Yeah. That he could have called and been like, hey, I'm going to Afghanistan. Yeah. He could have been like, hey, Jarvis. <laughs> yep. Actually. Call bots. <laughs> is it? Jar- it is Jarvis. So. In the later movies, um, he actually starts using an AI called Friday in the suit. And Jarvis oh is a separate. Wait, like, And Friday's a woman. Like my gal Friday? I don't know that reference, but maybe. We learned what phase one of the cinematic universe was. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> we learned it was nonsense. Called Kevin Feige. So, join us next time. Where we watch... Oh, I'm supposed to say this part? <laughs> Do you know what we watch next? We watched The Incredible Hulk. 2008. They came out the same year. They did. Predictions. The Hulk goes to a restaurant and gets denied service because he's not wearing shoes or a shirt. <laughs> See you then. Bye.